Hey guys, it's me, Overreactor. You are probably wondering what the heck has even been going on. It's been like a month or more, like five weeks since an episode has been posted in the feeds, and there's a couple reasons for this. One, the most recent episode that I did, I didn't even notice, but I published it without any audio. So if you were confused by that, I am so sorry. Uh, I was looking through the Anchor app, and I noticed I had a draft saved from the staffing episode and a staffing episode posted with no audio. And the draft was the audio, but I didn't put them together. I, I don't know, you guys. Mercury was in retrograde, apparently, and life has been cuckoo bananas over here. And so um, I was on kind of a little forced hiatus, and I didn't even give you warning. But that's okay. Here we are now. I'm back. So what happened is... I've got the intro from the previous episode that I thought I had, but I don't have what I recorded for 5.1 staffing, so I'll get that in this episode, and I'll play you the introduction that I had on the other episode that I thought I published, and so that'll come after this, and um, also I got a message, oh gosh, I'm so sorry, I forget your name, but somebody was asking again about the... um, the where, oh, where can my jammer be? That song. And uh, they were asking for the lyrics to it. So I am going to post the lyrics in the show notes of this episode and totally feel free to do whatever you want with it. Play music, sing it, tag me on Instagram if you do something because that's really fun. And I actually have another song I've been working on for you guys. So um, I'll see if I can get that by the end of this episode as well. If not, it'll be a surprise for later. So... Without further ado, I'm going to give you the original introduction that I recorded, and it talks about an apex jump, which I already did post a video to that on my Instagram because I didn't realize it did not publish the podcast, and then after that, we will get into section 5.1, staffing. Hey guys, it's me, Overreactor, and welcome to the next episode of Official Time Out. I am really excited because this is actually episode number 20, 20, 20 episodes of Roller Derby Rules. Like, how cool is that? And I am really excited. I feel like the word is really getting out there, and I've received a lot of messages on my Instagram from a bunch of you guys, and this past weekend, I officiated a tournament, the Battle in the Boot in Louisiana, and that was, oh my gosh, so exciting, and um, and I got a lot of fun feedback of people who were, like, listening to this podcast, and that's really fun and exciting, and I, I love it, and I love you guys, and I want to give a super mega shout out to the Tampa Bay Roller Derby League. They um, have been listening to this, and Let me see. I got a message on Instagram from, and please forgive me if I say your name wrong, but it looks like Butsy7077. They're learning all about the rules over there at Tampa Bay and with the Fresh Meat group and that this podcast is helping with that aspect. And that makes me really happy to know. So yay, keep it up. And okay, I got this really awesome message from Big Red Ref. 3-2 on Instagram, and it's a video 
of Tri-City Roller Derby versus, oh, I'm going to say this wrong, Nidaros Roller Derby, N-I-D-A-R-O-S, Nidaros, 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 Nidaros. I have no idea where that is. Uh, but it's the 2016 International WFTDA D2 Playoffs and Lansing, game number seven. And I guess uh, in one of the previous episodes, I asked for you guys to send me videos of really cool apex jumps and big red ref 3-2 came through. This is, oh my goodness gracious, the most wild, nail-biting one minute of my life watching this jam. And I don't want to say what it's about because I don't want to spoil it. But if you go to my Instagram, ovary underscore actor, I'll, I will screen record it and post it with a link in the comments to the full video. But oh my gosh, you've got to watch this apex jump. But the whole part leading up to it is like, oh my gosh, so amazing. What what amazing derby that was. So thank you, Big Red Ref32, for sending that to me. And if anyone else wants to reach out, you can feel free to do that on Instagram or you can email me at overreactor at gmail.com. That's O-V-A-R-Y-A-C-T-O-R at gmail.com. Um, okay, let's see. I'm just going to go ahead and jump right on in to the next part of the WFTDA rulebook. And this is all about officiating. But first, I'm going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. We are going to go to section 5.1 in the WFTDA rulebook. And these can be found at WFTDA.com. Section 5.1 of the rulebook is about staffing. Each game must staff enough on-skates officials or referees to effectively track the following information in real time. The location of the pack and engagement zone. Which blockers are out of play? Who the jammers are? Which jammer, if any, is lead jammer? How many points each jammer has scored? One referee is designated the head referee. So that's everything you need to know about staffing in Section 5.1. There are also distinctions and requirements. Before I move into that, let's look at the casebook. Are there scenarios for 5.1? Nope, no scenarios at all. So I'm going to go over now Section 5.1.1, Distinction. Referees are responsible for assessing and enforcing penalties, must be on skates, and must be uniformed in a manner that clearly identifies them as referees. Referees must be distinguishable from each other, for example, by displaying a name or number on their uniform. That's one thing I really like about being a referee is that I can still skate, but I don't have to get knocked down. Or I really shouldn't be getting knocked around. If that happens, that's a penalty. Um, Depending on the situation and the discretion of the officials, right? Okay, let's go to section 5.1.2, requirements. Each game must also staff enough officials to effectively track the state of the game such that the rules can be enforced in real time. The number and position of officials may vary based on available technology and the limitations of the venue, but the following information must be made available upon request. The official score. 
the official jam time, the official period time, which skaters have been assessed how many penalties and which have been served, which skaters are not allowed to skate, for example, due to expulsion, fouling out, or having a jam called for their injury, and how long a given skater has been seated for each penalty. Individual officials may be assigned to multiple tasks so long as this does not threaten the accuracy of the above information. So typically, in an ideal world, (laughs) there would be seven skating officials. Four of them would be on the inside and three would be on the outside. And this, everything I'm saying right now is not like in this section of the rule book. Uh, I'm just telling you like from experience and what I've done. And so the outside referees look for penalties on the outside, like the track cuts and the contact penalties and such. And then on the inside, you have the pack definition referees. Two of them would be doing that, one of them looking at the front and one of them looking at the back. And that would be looking for one, maintaining the pack, and then two, looking for skaters who are out of the engagement zone in the front and the rear of the pack. And those two officials communicate with each other, you know, to know where the pack is. And then the other two inside officials would be the jammer referees that only look at that one jammer and keep track of the score. So, oh, (laughs) I'm kind of jumping the gun. Section 5.2 is duties. And so let's just jump right into that since I kind of already was going into that. Let's see what the official word is from the WFTDA in section 5.2, duties. All officials are responsible for keeping the game running safely and smoothly by ensuring that the rules of the game are followed. This includes, but is not limited to, ensuring that each team has an acceptable number of skaters on the track, ensuring that each team has an acceptable number of skaters in certain positions on the track, ensuring that the game is played legally, timing jams, periods, penalties, and the time between jams, including timeouts and reviews, signaling the start and end of jams, signaling the starts and ends of jams, signaling who is the lead jammer, signaling how many points each jammer earns on each trip through the pack, informing skaters and team staff of the state of the game when asked, to the best of their ability, giving the constraints of their responsibilities, calling official timeouts when additional time is needed. This may include a need to ensure that game information has been correctly recorded, gameplay is safe, injured skaters have been taken care of, the teams are informed regarding anything out of order. So that would be a lot of stuff having to do with the skating officials and the non-skating officials. Every official has a very particular job, which we'll get into at some point. But the jam referee is not going to be signaling the start of the jam. That would be the jam timer. So everyone does a different thing and it everyone works together to make the magic happen. Okay, finally in section 5.2, it says this. Officials may call off jams at their discretion. Reasons may include, but are not limited to, injury, technical difficulty, interference in a jam by spectators or other skaters, unsafe play or illegal play that cannot be rectified via penalty assessment. One thing I really like about the rule set is that it gives the referees this discretion and a good referee, you know, once the game to happen. Like everybody wants to see roller derby happen. So it's not a lot of erroneous call-offs, but if 
if the jam needs to be called, the uh, the head referee or the officials can use their discretion because there's so many situations that come up that it's impossible to problem solve every single thing. So we have to take all the information and synthesize it quickly in each moment to make the best decision possible for the safety and integrity of the game. Okay, let's keep going. Let's get on a roll. I'm going to make up for lost time with you guys, okay? <laughs> um, so here we go to section 5.3, communication between skaters and officials. All communication between skaters, team staff, and officials must be respectful. Officials should provide any information necessary for a skater to know whether they are in play, including the location of the pack. Skaters who reasonably believe that they are in play should not be penalized for technical infractions that pertain to being out of play unless such a warning has been given. Examples include failure to return to play, to reform a pack, or to yield after committing a false start. If an official provides erroneous information to a skater, a skater will not be penalized for actions taken based on that information. For example, if a penalty box official releases a skater early, the skater will not be penalized for leaving once realized. Likewise, if a jammer calls off a jam while their jammer referee is indicating that they are the lead jammer, said jammer will not be penalized for calling off the jam illegally, even if they are not, in fact, lead. An absence of information provided, for example, an official not providing a warning, is not considered erroneous. The head referee may, at their discretion, limit the extent to which skaters may communicate with officials. So, I like this part of the rules. Is this not recording? Wait, what the heck? Oh, there we go. Ugh, I thought it wasn't recording again. I sometimes forget to check the audio feed waveform looking thing to make sure I hit record. And I think we're good. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, that I like this part of the rule that um, I feel like this is very fair to the skaters. If a jammer referee is pointing at the jammer, even like if that jammer is not lead, like if they were lead, went to the penalty box, and then they're back on the track, and that jam ref forgets that they lost lead jammer status, and they continue to point at the jammer, and then they call it off, like it's not that jammer's fault for looking at the referee and seeing that they're being indicated as lead jammer. They think they can call it off. Or if um, the other person gets lead and the person, the jam referee who thinks you're not lead gives you lead. You know what I'm saying. It's, um, it's very, I feel like it's very fair. Like that's, that's good because there's so much going on. I'm sure like when you're jamming, it's like moment to moment and you're not always looking at all the things you're just doing your thing and you have to rely on your jam ref to tell you if you're lead or not so um if they make that mistake then sucks for them you don't get a penalty okay here we go here we go 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 uh, 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 uh. oh right and also that if you are out of play and you're blocking you know engaging in a block and the official didn't tell you you were out of play like they have to give you that warning because in that moment, you're looking at the other blocker and or jammer or whoever you're trying to block and you're not like counting feet on the ground. I mean, if you're really good, you probably are. But that's the referee's job is to look at the engagement zone and warn you when you're out of place so that then you can take that action. So if you're not given a warning, you're not penalized. Now, 
one thing for the one season that I was a skater, I found it very difficult to hear the officials in general because like the adrenaline's going, you're trying to listen to your teammate, you're, you know, the crowd is loud and music and it's like you get in this zone. So from what other skaters would tell me is you really have to get used to practicing listening and like bringing your awareness out of the pack and out and extend that awareness to the officials so that, you know, you can hear those warnings. Because sometimes skaters will say like, you never give me a warning. And all the officials are like, yeah, we said it like six times. Also, if you or one of your teammates is deaf or hard of hearing, please make sure to let your team captain know this so that they could bring it up in the captain's meeting prior to each bout. Because in every bout I've ever officiated, that's like something that the head referee will bring up to say, hey, is there any skaters um, on your team who are deaf or hard of hearing? And if so, at our like referee meetings before the game, they'll say um, this color, this number, you know, like red, four, nine, two is hard of hearing. So when you call a penalty on that person and they don't respond, don't call them on insubordination. Like make sure to communicate to a referee who may be in their line of sight to make eye contact with that skater, point at them and signal the um the appropriate gesture so they know that it is them being called on a penalty. Because um, I don't know if any of in any of your leagues, if you have any deaf or hard of hearing skaters, but that's something that, ugh, in my heart, I am so proud that roller derby is accessible to the the deaf culture and people. Um, it's very close to my heart, and I love how inclusive this sport is. And it's not hard to include deaf people. And, and hard of hearing people in this sport. And of course there are challenges and um, and things. We had a deaf skater in our league a few seasons back and, and the teammates, I was so proud of them, like working out how to, you know, communicate because in general, I think a lot of people don't know sign language or, um, or even how to talk to people who are deaf. And the deaf people that I've met are so loving and caring and just, you know, like anybody else want to be included in life. So yes, I imagine that if someone is deaf or hard of hearing, they they may not be listening to this podcast, but you as a teammate can be an advocate for that person. And if your league um, isn't already aware that that's it, that that is something that should be made, you know, aware that you should make that aware to the head referee, please start doing that immediately um, because the head referee has procedures in place to make sure that, you know, we we follow it and don't give that skater an undue penalty because of that, you know? So, um, yes, everything I said about, like, expanding your, your range, da-da-da, that would be another caveat, like, let the head referee know. The last part of Section 5, it's Section 5.4, Assessing penalties. All referees may assess penalties to skaters for illegal actions that have impact on the game. Non-skating officials may assess penalties that are relevant to their position in the game unless prohibited from doing so by the head referee. Officials will use their judgment under the guidelines set forth in the rules of Flat Track Roller Derby Casebook. They must do so as soon as possible 
and at a volume sufficient to be heard by the penalized skater and relevant officials given the constraints of the venue. Until this has occurred, nobody is required to behave as if the skater has been penalized. Okay, I do want to, I do want to, amend, not amend, but add to what I just said about like, bring your awareness out to hear the officials. Like, yeah, the skater should listen for those things. Officials need to be loud. Like if the officials are whispering or not, you know, really using their, um, what is it called when you, I'm a theater teacher. What's this word? Projection. If they're not projecting, like you, you bring that up, like, Hey, your officials are not being loud enough. We can't hear them. Have your captain talk to the head referee and be like, we really can't hear you guys. Can you be louder? Sometimes it helps if um, if there's music, having the person in charge of the music turning it down because that could be an issue because the officials don't want to like scream their voices out and then they'll lose their voice for the second half of the game. Um, so it, it's definitely something that the officials need to be loud enough and the skaters, you know, bring that awareness out. And what else did it say? Something about until that has occurred, no one's required. Da, 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 da. Mm, yeah, I don't think I had any other comments. Yeah, officials, you gotta be loud. Like, that's the whole point. Like, you gotta be loud. Okay, continuing. No penalty should be assessed unless the official is certain that the penalty is warranted. If officials cannot agree on whether an action warrants a penalty, the head referee's decision is final. That's another thing that they, you know, the officials that I work with in the beginning and even still remind us like you have to be 100% sure that that person deserves that penalty. If you didn't see the initiation or the impact or the result, you can't call the penalty. And that can be frustrating sometimes. I get it, especially if you're a spectator or if you're um, a captain on and you're watching, if you're not like actively in the bout I mean, in the jam, like it could be frustrating if you see it and you're like, oh my gosh, that totally was a track cut, but maybe the official only saw them coming in and they didn't see them going out or whatever. Like there's so many things that the officials, if you don't know, you can't call it. You have to be hundred percent certain. And that's also why teams have official reviews because perhaps another official saw it and can, you know, back up what the claim is. Okay, moving on. If the only blocker from a team who is on the track commits a penalty, the blocker should not be sent off the track until another blocker from their team rejoins the pack. And that's because you have to have at least one skater from each team in order to have a pack. If that final blocker goes off the track, there's no pack and derby can't happen. That would be silly. So they would have to stay in queue for the box. If a penalty is warranted, oh, back to the rules now. (laughs) If a penalty is warranted, but it is not clear to whom the penalty should be assessed, An official should assess the penalty to the nearest blocker from the appropriate team if the action is committed mid-jam, or to the team's captain if the action is committed between jams. If an official is not certain which team is responsible, no penalty should be assessed. If off-skates team staff commit a penalty, the penalty should be assessed to the appropriate team's captain If a penalty is assessed to the captain due to the fact that they are captain, they will serve the penalty as a blocker in the following jam. And guess what, you guys? That is all of the rules of roller derby. Like, we made it to the end of the WFTDA rulebook. It looks like the only thing left would be the appendices and 
Let's see, Appendix A is Track Design and Specifications, which is a PDF download. And then there's the glossary, which was the first thing that we did at the very first episode. So you guys, in 20 episodes, we made it through the rule book. Now this, while this is the end of the rule book, this is not the end of official timeout. There is so much more for us to go over, more in depth uh, regarding the positions of each official, what they're responsible for, what the head referee does, what the jam timer does, what the penalty box manager does. So those will be in future episodes. Please keep in mind that um, the this time of year, this year is a little cuckoo crazy for me. And so I'm going to get episodes out as soon as possible. I'm a one woman operation here. And so um, it does take me a little bit longer when I have a lot going on uh, in my personal life. But I do appreciate all of your your kind words, all of your support, all of you who reached out and like have positive feedback for this um, and, and show me cool things and please keep sending that to me. I'll keep putting them up on my Instagram and sharing them or tag me in fun stuff. It's always fun. Okay, I'm not going to have time to do the other fun song that I have for you. That will be in a future episode. And if you have song ideas, like send them on my way. And if you want to parody the other song, you can check out the um, description in this episode. And I'm putting the lyrics that I rewrote to Pearl Jam's Last Kiss regarding the jammer in the description of this episode. And in the meantime, have so much fun and I'll talk at you later. Bye-bye.